0: You know, shout out to the moms out there. All this wouldn't be possible without moms. Yeah, um, shout out yeah, to the moms. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, I know this is Dad's night, but moms, moms, are definitely. <laughs> yeah, they hold. That's, it no, that comes that comes up at least
0: once an episode. Yeah, yeah, dude. They, they hold it. They hold it together. There's
2: there's no Dad's night without a, without the moms. That's yeah, the. Like,
0: there's
2: no dads without. moms. It's Dad's night. Welcome back to another episode of Daz Night Presents Time Out with Omar and Samer. Here with me again is my stupendous co-host, Omar. <laughs> and we have another great guest tonight. He's calling in from the DMV where he's known for putting people to sleep. And I'm not <laughs> going to go into details about that yet.
0: You ready, night, <laughs> ready to go? <laughs> night,
2: night Ready to go, <laughs> go night, first, night. But first, Omar, how are you, you feeling tonight,
1: man? Um, I'm good. I don't know how much longer I can take all these compliments from Samer. Uh, I, at this point, I feel like he's up to something. So, you know, I'm going to watch my back. But, Payloo, welcome to Dad's Night. Great to see you. Excited to get into a, a good conversation tonight. Uh,
0: thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Um, this is, like I discussed with you before, before, this is my first time ever getting interviewed about myself and my outlook on life. So it's going to be exciting. It's going to be great. I look forward to talking with you guys. Uh, yeah, let's get started.
1: Yeah, it's it's cool, man. We have no idea what we're doing. Like, Amber <laughs> doesn't even know where he is right now. Look at yeah,
2: I, I'm actually, I look up words every day now to kind of expand my vocabulary to kind of explain what Omar is. So <laughs> working on that. I'm definitely
0: working on
1: that. <laughs> so, so Paley, what were you up to before this, before you hopped on uh, dad's night?
0: uh today or in general and just just so like, right
1: just right before this right before you wow. put on those wireless headphones over there
0: yeah so what was I doing before this my baby her bedtime is actually at seven thirty ish um so we just got back from a day of going hiking went to Great Falls today hung out all day and then uh put her to sleep She's got a little bit of a fever. We're not sure if it's seeded or what it could be. So we have to give her some Tylenol. So then put her back to sleep. And that was it. Now nice. I hopped on. Right after that, I hopped on Dad's Night Interview.
2: Hell yeah. That's
0: that's a what? That's a good-ass Friday night. I'm telling you. That's a good
1: you. day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I I love Great Falls, by the way. I go up. there. Yeah. How was it, was it, was it busy right now?
0: Were there a lot of people? Um, so uh, today I, you know, we did a good job of getting there early. Um, Cause we knew it. I mean, this, this is kind of the best weather we've had all spring. So the temperature today was like 85, 86 degrees. And I figured there's going to be a ton of people out there. So we got there around like, I'll say 1030 tons of cars out there. Hard to find parking. What I literally, what I had to do, there was no parking spots. And the Nigerian enemy came out, so there was a spot, like, next to the tree. You could barely just kind of see it. It was covered by, like, branches and stuff. So I just squeezed my car right into there and uh, moved on with life. <laughs> Where there's a will, there's a way.
2: <laughs> That's awesome. If you're uh, – I hope you're driving a car a little bit smaller than what Omar has. He drives a big boat of a Cadillac, but it's fresh. <laughs> it's definitely fresh.
1: It's the it's The Dadalac.
2: <laughs> the Dadalac. The Dadalac. <laughs>
1: uh so so paley tell us a little bit about yourself uh where where are you from where'd you grow up are you married how many kids do you have what are their ages whatever else you want to tell us
0: uh so my background is a bit of a long story i don't think we have time for all that today Mm -hmm. um but to cut the long story short i was born in nigeria um one of the bigger cities in Nigeria called Ibado, Nigeria, uh, grew up there till I was about nine years old. Interesting story. Um, I was with my parents up until I was about age three, and then they moved to the United States, leaving me and my older brother with my grandparents. So actually our grandparents raised us until we were about 10 years old, until I was about 10 years old, uh, until my parents, got the means and uh, were able to send for us to come to America. They had provided a nice enough, you know, foundation for us to come and live with them. So moved to America at age 10. So the bustling, hustling, uh, huge city of Newark, Delaware. Uh, Shout out Newark, Delaware. Shout out out Newark, Delaware. Um, So I went to high school in, in Delaware and... Been kind of living the American dream since then. Um, as far as work, I am currently a certified registered nurse anesthetist, CRNA uh, for short. Uh, basically, I put people to sleep and wake them back up for surgeries, um, make people go, yeah. <laughs> go night night. <laughs> go night night. Um, I am married to my lovely wife. Tiffany. Um, we got married in 2018. Um, and we had our beautiful daughter a few months after that, uh, September 20th of uh, 2018. So basically, we got engaged in November. We found out we were pregnant probably around January um, and got married in May and then had a baby in September. So Yeah. It was kind of a quick progression. We, you know, we Nigerians like to move quick. Yeah. Yeah, So that's, I mean, that's basically it uh, as far as myself. Um, Yeah. That's awesome.
2: No. And it's, it's so cool interviewing our friends, right? Like we, we made this so that we could talk to people like our friends, that are dads. And every time we interview someone, Taylor I've known you for years, and I didn't know you grew up in Nigeria. So, oh yeah, yeah, it's it's really cool, and actually opens up some questions for some of our later segments. Oh yeah, um, for sure. But
0: that,
2: that's really awesome, man, and sounds yeah. like a pretty good story and uh, strong family values there.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. It's uh, is it definitely the plot definitely thickens. <laughs> 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 well, cool, man.
2: I mean, before we get into some of the, like, uh, family type of stuff that we want to cover, um, what we wanted to know kind of on your background is some of the hobbies that you have. Um, I know you you and your brother are somewhat artistic, but what are some of the things that you like to do um, for your hobbies?
0: Uh, hobbies. So I have a couple main hobbies. Um, I like soccer. Soccer is probably my number one hobby. Um, played soccer growing up, uh, it's in the blood, uh, shout out to Manchester United, any Manchester United fans out there. Um, yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah. So soccer is probably my, my number one thing. If I had it my way, I'd probably be, uh, playing with Ronaldo right now. But, uh, you know, the way life is, uh, you know, I had to settle for more meager, meager livings. Um. (laughs) Yeah, my second hobby, I would say, is uh, cars and motorcycles. I actually own a motorcycle. I actually went on a motorcycle ride today, which is which is great. Um, I don't get to do it as much as I used to before having a baby and having a family, um, simply because motorcycles are dangerous. You just stay off those things if you... Don't have a motorcycle already, please don't get one uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so you know I try to limit my time on a motorcycle just so you know I stay alive and I get to see my kid grow so uh, those are probably my two main hobbies um, uh, in addition to kind of the normal things you know listening to a lot of music um, and just relaxing doing nothing is my hobby also I like that one,
2: yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. that's definitely Omar's favorite doing nothing.
0: <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah. Me time. I call it
1: me time.
2: Me time. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of soccer, I saw that Lapo posted a few pictures of you the other day. Uh, did you <laughs> did you pay him a couple of dollars to help relive the glory days or what was going on? Oh like?
0: Man, that was very unexpected. So I <laughs> called him and I was like, Hey, send me those videos right now. And my brother being the guy that he is. Right. So he does a sit where he, um, He'll take a photo or a video of you or something, and then like he'll hoard it for years and years and years. And then (laughs) after a while, you see a story on Instagram that's like, whoa, where did that come from? That was was probably, I would say, 2011. So that was probably about nine years ago. Maybe even before that, 2010. Uh, so that's about nine, 10 years ago. So he had to download that video off his camcorder. I don't know if kids know what camcorders are nowadays. Download <laughs> it off his camcorder to his, uh, laptop so that he can, and then take a, take his phone to record it on his laptop so he can show me the video. But yeah, that was me uh, about, about 10 years ago. Uh, I was playing in a, um, in a all Spanish league in Dover, Delaware, um, I was a little bit of a – I was pretty good back then, I would say, you know. Uh, I was pretty quick, bigger than most of the, you know, other people on my team. So I kind of have a – I had a competitive edge there. And I I always remember getting fouled all the time. Every single time I got the ball, somebody was ready to foul me because it was (laughs) like if you're too fast or you're too big for them, they just come and just like slide tackle or just like take you out from under. So every day I went home with a new bruise, a new, a new soreness, a new kind of injury that, you know, could have been prevented. So yeah, it was, it was a great time in life. Yeah. So, so it's fair to
2: say that 2010 was when you really started putting dudes to sleep, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Getting ready for your career. Yeah, for
0: sure. Little did I know I'd be doing it professionally years later.
1: <laughs> and I and I know and I know you stay rooting for Nigeria during the Africa Cup of Nations for sure. Oh yeah,
0: man. Until I die, man. Nigeria,
1: Nigeria all day. Yeah. Well, they got they they have some they have some great teams in that in that cup. There, I mean, Cameroon is really good. Um, Ghana, the Black Stars, they're really good. Yeah,
3: dude. But, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Africa Cup of Nations is actually really crazy. I don't know. Wow. I mean. I'm sure it gets like a, a lot of viewership, but just people over here just don't really know about. It. Mostly, they know about like Premier League, Champions League stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I feel like all- in America, all people know is Barcelona, Real Madrid. They don't know anything. I mean, on-
1: those, all- <laughs>
0: guilty. A lot of
1: <laughs> <laughs> Premier League guys are starting to come over here and and play for uh, the uh, U.S. the MLS teams too.
0: Yeah, I can definitely remember like back when David Beckham came from. Uh, um, from Europe to come play in America. It was such a momentous moment because I remember going to a, I think it was like a Brazil versus like Argentina game, which is like, if you know anything about soccer, that's a huge rivalry all over the place. And like, it was in, I want to say Mets. It was in New York. It was one of those New York uh, stadiums. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I can remember this the, the stadium only being like, maybe one third full, right? What? And it's like, you know, you go to any other sporting event, it could be, you know, baseball, badminton, it could be any, you know, it could be anything. It could be a diet's night at New York Mets stadium. It'll be more packed than what it was at that point. Hey, That's, not, not, a That's <laughs> not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea. So, and then like fast forward, like I would say three or four years later, Um, I go to another soccer game, which didn't have the same clout as Brazil versus Argentina. And the stadium was basically fully packed. Everybody rocking all the gear, screaming out like, oh, go, 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 go. So, you know, from just seeing that kind of juxtaposition where it's like, you know, one minute it's like not packed at all to, you know, fast forward a few years later after David Beckham gets here and, you know, the whole stadium was like packed out was like such a momentous moment. It was uh, it was definitely a proud soccer fan moment for me when I saw that. So, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah.
1: The, the MLS games are getting big, man. Like yeah.
0: even,
1: even the DC United games, I know they, they brought like Wayne Rooney over here at first. I think it was. And
0: yeah. They,
1: I mean, they, they, I've been to a couple, like they, they just built a, a new stadium recently, actually. Audi mm-hmm. field, I think it's called.
0: Yeah. Um, I've been there. It's uh, it's an amazing, uh, it's amazing stadium it's um I actually went there to go watch Rooney as Rooney's second to last game at DC United I'd never before then I didn't really go to the DC United uh, games uh, I've been to a few of them before that but like you know I didn't like make a point to go it was kind of like oh hey bro here's free tickets you want to go sure i'll go but this time i was like i'm paying i'm going i bought a jersey i'm like i'm going to see my boy rooney before he leaves like mls so it was uh it was definitely an emotional moment yeah it was great
2: oh yeah And yeah. do you think you're uh you think you're gonna pass that tradition on to your daughter
0: uh yeah ever since she started walking so when she took her first step, I put a ball right in front of her. I'm like, kick this. She was like, <laughs> <laughs> even before she started talking, before she started, like, you know, even walking, just she took a step. She maybe even faked taking a step. I put a soccer ball in front of her. I'm like, here, this is what you're going to do from now. You're going to be kicking this ball around. Hell so, yeah. <laughs> uh, Little does she know she's going to be a big soccer star. And That's the, awesome. Man, I mean, the Team USA women's champs, right? Yeah, dude, they're, they're killing it, man. The yeah. U.S. I mean, women in general, man, nowadays in sports are just, they're, they're killing it. Things that you didn't see from before. Like there's so many different like, uh, pioneers and, um, uh, different stars when it comes to sports. We're just kind of excited, be, excited for me because I have a daughter not a son, you know? So it's, it's a different way of looking at things. Um, I hope to share my passion of soccer with her, and hopefully, she takes on to that and becomes a, you know, soccer star. Obviously, I'm not gonna force her, um, but yeah, I just I hope she, you know, looks up to people like you know Megan Rapinoe, who's a baller, who's been
3: uh,
0: you know pretty big in the news lately. So I th- I think uh, you know people like that, you know, would would be uh, would, I hope would be a good role model for her. So, oh Yeah, yeah man. Let's
1: just let's just hope once you start uh, coaching her teams that you don't
0: embarrass her on the pitch. Start, start fights with the refs. Oh, no guarantees. I might go out there and slide tackle a little. A little-
2: <laughs> <laughs> we might have to actually create like a dad's night uh, league. In action.
0: <laughs> sponsor
2: a team or something. Maybe when your daughter's a little old enough, or if you want to pursue your professional career again, we'll be your official sponsor.
0: <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> for sure for sure that'd be great i mean we have a great logo so you know. hey yeah.
2: it is it's pretty nice
0: <laughs> That's yeah that actually is not a bad idea i think that'll, <laughs> that'll definitely be a good thing.
2: all right so omar you want to move on to the next uh se- um topic here yeah sure so um
1: so peilu you mentioned your profession okay. um I'm interested in, uh, you know, what the scene is like at a, at a hospital these days. Uh, we we've, we've, haven't necessarily talked about, you know, what's been going on. I think there's enough news being thrown at everybody uh, in the world, you know, it, more than enough. So we don't really need to cover it. But since we have somebody that's in the medical profession, um, you know, either through your own experience or yeah. through um, some of your colleagues, what's what does it really look like in in a hospital these days?
0: Uh, you know, what's uh, yeah. So it's it's different to say the least. Um, it's uh, it's a completely different landscape. Um, I work in the operating room setting, so basically, what my normal typical pre-COVID day looks like is. Uh, patient comes in from home. They come into uh, what's called a holding area or pre-operation area. Um, they sit there. They um, the different medical professionals come in and interview them, and you know, ask them about their history, which we already have all this information before, uh, but just to kind of clarify and make sure nothing has changed, and uh, get them prepped and ready, and check off all the boxes and that all the I's and cross all the T's before they proceed to the next phase, which is going into the operating room and getting their surgery done. Um, nowadays, that landscape is completely different. So before then, bef- you know, before COVID, you go into the room, talk to a person just similar as I'm talking to you today, uh, no masks, no gloves, no you know barriers to building a rapport with, The person sitting across from you. And as my job as an anesthesia provider, the biggest thing that you can do to um, uh, help a patient kind of navigate the operating room scene is to build that rapport and to, you know, joke around a little bit. Not to say that surgery is a joke, but to kind of, you know, bring their guard down just a little bit just so that you know they're not as nervous to go into to operation they're not as you know frightful of not waking up after anesthesia um and my just to put a little side note in there very very little everybody wakes up under my anesthesia Let's just, put it that <laughs> <laughs> and it's, just throwing that out there, <laughs> throwing that out there. It's, half, it's half price if you don't wake up <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah when they when they come in people are i mean everybody's nervous when they come into surgery you know they're nervous about the type of surgery it is people may be coming in for cancer treatment people may be coming in for you know getting the cancerous part of them removed they may be coming in for something as uh, i say simple but it might not be simple to a person sitting across the table as like a hernia hernary repair um, so there's a variety of things that people come in for, come into from simple to very complex. So building that rapport and, and you know, kind of bringing their guard down and bringing their nervousness level down um, is one of the first things you, you know, a good anesthesia provider has to do. Um, now, if all else fails, then you just start giving them drugs and they go to sleep. So, um, but that's the first thing that you do. So, um Post, you know, in the COVID times, right? So if a patient, mind you, we're not doing any like elective surgery. So patients aren't necessarily walking in from uh, outside to come have surgeries now. We're only doing things that are emergent or urgent. So patient has been, uh, let me give you an example. Patients, uh, appendicitis is kind of a common thing that happens where your appendix becomes inflamed or uh, even worse, may become ruptured. Um, at some point which requires surgical intervention. So you come in, uh, we do an operation to take out your appendix. Um, so now the patients are all in the hospital. They're all uh, being tended to by people who are wearing masks, gloves, um, all the time. You don't see anybody's face or anybody's you know, mouth or, or lips. Everybody's kind of talking to you through this barrier. So if you're not already nervous to have surgery, your nervousness level has gone even higher because now you're met with people that, you know, look like a scene out of the movies because they're all garbed up. They have like, you know, all these different barriers to to talking and just normal interpersonal connection. Um, and God forbid you actually are a patient with COVID, right? You, you know, test, they test every single patient that comes out to the operating room for COVID because that protects not only the patient, but protects all the staff from, uh, from uh, getting COVID so they can uh, prepare appropriately, so they can do all the necessary procedures to uh, protect themselves. So um, if you have COVID, then the level of barrier and the level of uh, personal protective equipment goes up tenfold. So I'm wearing this, what's called a PAPR, which is a personal respirator, Uh, covers my whole face, covers my whole body. Um, So I look literally like a beekeeper coming in to (laughs) tell you that, hey, I'm going to put you to sleep and uh, you're going to have this operation done. And, uh, you know, we're going to be taking all these different precautions and things to, to see you through the operation. Um, So I think it just heightens the level of uh, seriousness for things that weren't so serious before. Um, In addition, it complicates the surgery itself uh, because patients with the test positive for COVID, um, uh, the the main symptoms that they have are, are respiratory symptoms. And if they're on the ventilator already or if they go on the ventilator as a result of, you know, trying to get this operation done, it makes it a very, uh, complicated process. Uh, it makes it very complicated for them to, um, uh, successfully, uh, be extubated, meaning taking out that breathing tube after surgery. Uh, it makes it a complicated process to make sure that they're breathing appropriately and normally after the surgery. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you go to put in a breathing tube, when they're, before they go off to sleep, um you have to protect yourself because in order to place that breathing tube you're directly in the patient's face in the patient's airway where as you already know covid lives so um, that's the reason why we have this personal respirator sometimes we have uh, drape or some type of protective shield that protects us from uh, interacting directly with the patient's airway We use what's called a video laryngoscope, which, you know, it's kind of like a camera. We use a camera to go down into the patient's throat to figure out where we can need to place that endotracheal tube and then go ahead and do so. Um, Everyone in the room, uh, uh, the staff that's in the room is limited uh, to one person during the intubation time. And... Where usually on a normal day, it's like everybody's in the room prepping for the patient, you know, make sure all the equipment's correct, uh, doing all the necessary counts, double check in, triple check in. Um, but now it's just you, the patient, and another uh, it could be a nurse or it could be, you know, uh, anesthesia assistant uh, helping you place this endotracheal tube. Um, so it's kind of an airy environment. It's very quiet. It's very lonely. It's very, um, very different from the norm. So every time you put a patient to sleep, every time you go in and do operation, you're always reminded that you know COVID is around. COVID is a big deal. You know, um, you look like Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> and so
1: it's it's something that you know we wouldn't really think about. Uh, that people who may be diagnosed with this virus with COVID also might need other procedures done. There, there might be something else. So that's, you know, like you were talking about, you know, somebody that has COVID that you had to operate on for something else. And yes. That just adds like this whole other layer to these other procedures that, you know, are still being done in the medical field. Like that's other stuff didn't stop and yeah. it just go away it's like that stuff still exists and i think just yeah. for you know somebody who doesn't work in that field and is being you know almost inundated with all this all this stuff being thrown at us about this it's almost as if nothing else is happening you know yeah so it's good to hear like okay you know <laughs> there's still other problems
0: in the,
1: yeah. in the world and we're just adapting around you know what's happening
0: for uh, sure. And a little a little addition to that, too, is that I think the news and the media, which they try to do as good of a job as they can to, you know, relay the information out to people. Um, but I think kind of the stigma right now is that uh, COVID is, you know, is uh, it's an old man or old lady's disease. You know, it affects the elderly. It affects, you know, people that are immunocompromised. Which yes, majority of the time that is that is probably who you're gonna get, in, you know, with COVID. But in practice, in in the operating room setting, you're seeing patients is you know young patients, 22 year olds, 27 year olds, uh, people that are around my age. You know, I'm 34. You see that 22, 27, otherwise healthy individual come in on death's door. You know. And it's, it's like, you know, the the news is telling you one thing, but in reality, this is this is real. This can affect younger people. So I think the message should be that I mean, I think you know the news is doing a great job adapting to that message now. But um, yeah, you know, people should take it seriously and try to protect yourself as much as possible. And you know, it's not just an old man's disease. It's not just an immunocompromised disease. It affects everyone. It's a virus. It's you know. Just make sure you try to keep, you know, do all the things that they're telling you, social distancing and, you know, wearing your PPE when you go out, things like that, just to kind of protect yourself from catching this this virus. So,
2: yeah. For sure. And so with you having a daughter, are you even taking
0: more precaution when you're leaving the hospitals now? Uh, yes. So, um, yes. So when my wife actually, my wife is, she's, that she's awesome because she's a very um, detail oriented person. She's very uh, meticulous and, and gets down to the minor details of everything. So, you know, she ordered us a bunch of like, before, it, you know, Lysol was all sold out in the in the store. <laughs> she ordered us a bunch of that, and luckily, my brother actually last year he bought us like this giant costco size like Lysol thing, which is probably I bet that thing has like five gallons in it um, <laughs> of, <laughs> of Lysol. So we've been like refilling our little bottles with that huge Lysol gallon of, of uh, you know over the year, uh, which has been great. You know, nowhere before when he bought it, we didn't. Realize it would actually need it actually come in handy at this time um my wife has got like a uvc light sterilizer it's like a mini sterilizer so as soon as we get out of the hospital sterilize our phones our keys things like that um i don't wear the same like the clothes i wear into the hospital i um uh, keep it in a locker and then switch into scrubs. So it's beneficial for me that way. So I'm not interacting with COVID patients with, you know, my clothes. Mm. Um, So I change into scrubs. Even when I get home with the clothes that I wore to the hospital, um, I don't wear the same shoes that I wore to the hospital back home. So I keep a pair of shoes at the hospital. And then when I get home, um, we try to take a shower as soon as we get into the house, just take off our clothes, take a shower. And then before we, you know, grab Naomi or talk to her and, but even with all that, you know, it's, it's still a risk. You know, it's still a risk of, you know, catching COVID and things like that. So,
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah. man, that's – that's. I, I, go ahead, Omar.
1: I, I was just going to say, I mean, that's uh, a, a thing that, you know, we're totally – you know, we support everybody that's putting themselves out there uh, and, you know, doing the job that they got to do regardless of the risks. Uh, I, I love that, man. So, so that's awesome. And, and, you know, if whoever, um, you know, if you ever need to uh, come back on uh, Dad's Night post-COVID uh, and let us know how the, you know, how the sanitation and all that, because I would love to hear after um, all this is over how the, like, lingering effects are still sort of, like, impacting people. Yeah. We would, we would love to like have people back on and talk about it because we, we actually, you know, we asked this question because our a uh, friend of ours, um, you know, about six or seven weeks ago actually had a, had a kid and, you know, so he was telling us about how the matern maternity ward situation was, uh, yeah. you know, over there. And, and it's like, it's just interesting to hear the, the difference between, you know, what you're doing and over there because they have to keep it completely separate and, and a lot yeah. of empty. Whereas, you know, in other wards, they're like overflowing and jam packed. Um, so yeah. it's, it's crazy to hear the contrast too actually.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's different, different, uh, different sections of the hospital have different, um, Protocols and things that they're doing. I mean, the ICU obviously is over packed with COVID patients. There's a lot of patients there. It's a high acuity. You know, all your suspect there or even you know positive patients go there. And then you have the labor and delivery where you know you have babies and it's like, you know, you don't necessarily. Well, nobody really worried about COVID in the labor and delivery suite until recently because if you don't know already, pregnant ladies get COVID also so it's like what did used to be a big worry before is now starting to become something that's more pertinent because now they're testing every single you know labor and delivery patient for for covid um also with that like they are not um usually when you have a baby in a hospital you you're the norm is to have all your support system there—the dad, maybe your grandmother, maybe you know your other kids. Everybody's there, kind of supporting you through this. Now it's
1: just like one
0: other person. Momentous time. It, I mean, sometimes it's no other person. You know, sometimes it's like I'll be there. damned. Yeah. I'll be damned
2: if someone told me I can't see the birth of my <laughs> child.
0: Burn yeah. that damn
2: hospital down.
0: <laughs> if you, if you, I know it's crazy. It's so wild to me that this is what's happening. But like, yeah. what if, what if the dad has COVID? Yeah,
2: you know? that's true. I'm that's coming in there dressed up like you, though, with a big <laughs> suit. I'm like, oh, that's my baby right there.
0: <laughs> mask, all, man. <laughs> I'm if, I to,
2: baby. <laughs> if I have to bring out my beekeeper suit, I
1: will. Yeah, so. man, for sure. <laughs> yeah, he's actually not joking. He really has one so oh yeah i think i saw
3: that
0: on instagram yeah yeah
1: yeah. he was trying to exterminate a hornet's nest in the backyard let's just say
2: i got the job done (laughs) that's for sure so that's all uh, that matters man (laughs) but palo man i mean this is this is crazy like what a time to raise a kid right and especially what a time to raise a kid specifically in your profession right you're where you're close contact you're seeing all this stuff you know, you hear one thing, but you're experiencing a different thing in real life. And so, and in the meantime, you're also trying to raise your child. Um, yeah. That's, it's a unique perspective for sure, man.
0: Yeah. Sometimes I just wonder what my kid thinks. So thinks you know, normally like a month ago or a month and a half ago, everybody's normal. Everybody's got a face. Everybody's got a mouth. Everybody's got a tongue, teeth, everything. Now mm-hmm. everybody's got a mask on. It's like, what just happened? What the hell? Why has everybody got masks on? yeah i wonder in her head like, like what is she thinking
1: yeah you think it's like messing kids up kind of just seeing this like seeing people in
0: that light i mean for my daughter do- my daughter is uh she's 19 months right now but like for kids that are older kids that are like actually understand like four years old uh five years old six years old where you know maybe they were playing with their friend next their next door neighbor up until about a month and a half ago. And then now they can't even like get anywhere close to them. to even say hello or, you know, hug or, you know, kiss, like all the different like interpersonal, like nonverbal relationship stuff is is so different now because now everybody has a mask on. Yeah. Now, you know, social cues are different. Now it's like, yeah. But I mean, I just hope, you know, my hope is that everything dies down, not dies down, that's kind of a bad analogy, <laughs> everything, <laughs> everything, everything goes back to normal, we'll everything, say that. Goes, everything goes back to normal, and um, uh, you know, we don't have any lingering effects of this, but the scientific mind, the, um, the science behind all that, I mean, I can't ignore that part of my brain either, so that tells me that this is probably going to be around for a while. For sure.
1: Yeah, for, for how for
0: long, sure. nobody knows, but it's going to be around for a little while.
1: Yeah, well, Well. I'll, I know one thing. Samra's friends are definitely thrilled that they have to socially distance from him.
0: I <laughs> can't wait for this thing to be dragged
2: out. Man, o- Omar couldn't even help himself. He came over for my birthday party and wanted to come in so bad. So he, he was like, let it's me it's in. It's true. Billy. They had me out in the
1: yard,
0: man. I was going <laughs> to come inside. <laughs>
2: Um, yeah. Cool, man. Omar,
0: what'd you get him for his birthday?
2: What did uh, get he got? Get he got me this uh, um, Albert Einstein dribbling basketball like poster thing. It's, oh, really? It's pretty legit. <laughs> yeah. It's that dope. sounds interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Pelu, hey, like you brought up a really cool perspective, and I don't think that's something we've thought about. Is like kids growing up, those social cues, their perspective on it. It's like, yeah. you know. When they're telling their kids stories one day, it's like, yo, when I was like four, we were all in mass like walking around, <laughs> like you
0: couldn't touch anybody.
2: <laughs> yeah, I
0: know. it's like trying to tell a kid now what CDs were like, yo, I had a CD. <laughs> I used to put it inside of a CD player and music came out I'm like what? <laughs> <laughs> we had Napster. We had we had a LimeWire. We used to download. It used to take us two days to download a song. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) two days. (laughs) Yeah, real though. Yeah, like oh man, like ripping songs off of the radio, off of like a cassette deck. Like you put a cassette in there, and then you press record when your favorite song (laughs) came on, just so you have the song to play later. I remember that very vividly. And kids oh have God. no idea what I'm talking about. They're like, what?
2: Dude, that's, that's a throwback right there. That's a yeah, throwback. My, my mom used to record Whitney Houston's whole album off the radio. Just <laughs> yeah, like, it was crazy. <laughs> screw, screw going to the store. <laughs> her
0: her recording this thing.
2: She was yeah, renting the car every time. Yeah. It. Record it.
0: I know. You'd be recording and all of a sudden freaking somebody hops on Power 99. Uh, she <laughs> got a party coming up on Saturday night. Yo, come through. Philly, where you at? Yo, bring your boys. Bring your girls. Holler at us. Free drinks all night long.
2: <laughs> oh my God, dude. We lived through that. That's fantastic. Yeah,
0: it's crazy, man. That's that's like, that's what i like. That's what my kind of adolescent, like, teenage years, like, came through. It was so amazing. That's <clears awesome. <clears <throat> yeah, kids nowadays will never know the grind of, like, downloading and waiting for that one song for two days. And then <laughs> at 98%, that thing would just, like, crash. And, and destroy day, the not, computer. <laughs> destroy. Your whole computer just go blue. Just psh, and they like, control, alt, delete, control, alt, delete, go into this, like, MF. <laughs> I may or may not have thrown a PC out of the window because of that once, because you downloaded a whole song and you waited two days for this thing, and then once it it, like crashed, it's like, oh my god, Ah. oh my god. And
1: and when they when they started (laughs) cracking down on that stuff. Oh yeah, that was, uh, that everybody, was everybody was real paranoid that the feds <laughs> were gonna be like <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: at your door for downloading Tupac's greatest hits. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs>
2: good,
0: good times,
2: days. man. So many good memories. Um all right, let's let's move on here to the next segment. Omar, you ready? Yeah, man. All right, Pelu, it's the Dad's Night Gun Show, and we aren't talking about those water pistols you call arms over there. <laughs> so it's a rapid-fire round, and I'll pass it over to Omar. All uh, right, let me get all my right. mind right.
3: All, <laughs> right
1: uh, all right, man, it's rapid-fire. Uh, I will not repeat any of the questions, all right? Uh, all right, you ready? I,
0: th- I think so. <laughs> all, right, all, right.
1: all right, would you rather have a thermometer in the mouth or a thermometer in the butt? No. If you could disinvent one
0: thing, what would it be? Uh, I don't know. I haven't really thought about that. Um, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that one. What's your second favorite team
1: in the Africa Cup of Nations?
0: uh, Second favorite team would be Ivory Coast. What does your wife think is the most annoying thing about you? <laughs> uh probably that I do not uh give her enough back rubs. <laughs> at what age do you think your daughter will start using Tinder? Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> uh I don't, okay, if I could disinvent one thing, it'll be Tinder. My, daughter, <laughs> my daughter's a teenager. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. The rate the rate these kids are going nowadays, and I should probably be using that thing at like 11 or 12, who knows? (laughs) If you you could travel to one country right now, where would it be? Uh, Switzerland. Do you think it's
1: possible to maintain platonic friendships with members of the opposite sex? Uh, (laughs) Yes. Jollof rice or a goosey soup? Oh, jollof, all day. What's the most impressive thing you know
0: how to do? Uh... (laughs) Um, most impressive thing. Wow. There's just so many of them. I got to rack through it. Um, I can cook jollof rice. That's, that's one of the things I could do. Um, Hakeem Olajuwon or Yao Ming? Hakeem, all day.
1: (laughs) Big party or small gathering? Uh, small gathering. What was your favorite cartoon growing up? The Smurfs. What's the first Mm -hmm. thing you reach for in the morning? Um... First time I reach for water. Oat milk or breast milk? <laughs> Oat milk. You, do you believe in life after death? Uh, life after death, yes. How many kids would you like to have?
0: Um, I would like to have three, but I think at the age I'm going right now, I think two might be enough. <laughs> have you ever kissed someone of the same sex? No.
1: <laughs> if you started a clothing company, what would you call it?
0: Uh, African pump juice. <laughs> do you think
1: Dad's Night is the number one podcast in the entire world?
0: Hell yeah. <laughs> and do you want your next kid to be a boy or a girl? I, I'd love a boy next. All right. Well, Just have, nice. have one of both. Yeah. All right. All
2: right. That's the Dad's Night Gun Show. Good job, man. Yeah. Good Thanks. answers. I, yeah. I I like the uh disinvent tinder after we asked when you're going you no, to no, use sure. it
1: <laughs> I I just was trying to maintain composure for the first question <laughs> and I don't. I've been laughing about it like, even before we came on, I was like, the mom- <laughs> <laughs> I just, just, I've literally just been laughing to myself about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, where,
0: do you, where do you guys come up with this stuff, man? This is so funny.
2: Samer's got a dark, dark mind. Was... We literally just will be sitting there. I'm like, yo, we got to ask him this. <laughs> and then I'll just send him a wild question. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah,
0: and, man, but, and,
1: and we're actually
2: keeping it pretty
1: tame, to be honest with you. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. This is this is great. I think it's a it's a good platform to to have, and I think it creates a different perspective too. Because dads when we all get together, basically we we talk about basically all the same things anyway. So it's like, oh, what'd your kid do? Oh, what'd your kid do? Okay, that's it. You know, yeah. and then you kind of move on to the, but like everything is like kind of centered about uh about kids and you know once you have a kid it's like now everything is centered around your kid like nothing else really matters as much anymore Mm. so that's why I like I I like dad's night so much because it's it kind of takes you back to a little bit back to pre-kids um where you can kind of hang out with your boys and just chill and just relax and like You know, not have to worry about, you know, going upstairs and give your baby Tylenol so that she can sleep well, you know, that type of thing. Um, Which, I mean, I love that part of it, too, you know, but it's just good to kind of have a little bit of chill night every once in a while. So, yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah. I remember the last real dad's night out. I had to cut it early, go home early. I get a text message from Omar. He's like, yo, the dads are saying... Baby, I'm not coming home tonight. <laughs>
1: I, I was dying. I was cracking up. All, all of them were literally texting their wives at the same time. <laughs> like, no, I'm, I'm going to be late, babe. I'm gonna be late. <laughs> it, was, it was the funniest oh, okay. thing I've ever seen. They were just like huddled in a circle, just like, you know, yo, what are you texting?
0: <laughs> it's it's so funny, man. It's like it's crazy. Even when you have dads, we've only I think I've only been to one so far. But when you have dads, it's so um, so interesting because like your life, you know, like before having kids or being, you know, even being married was like completely different, completely mm-hmm. different, and like going from that to you know having a family. And then one night out of a month or one night out of, you know, whenever it is, you go out and you like try to revert back to, you know, pre kids, I guess it's so, it's such a weird, like concept. It's like, what? I don't go home tonight. What? I stay out. I'm staying out past nine o'clock. This is crazy. Like what kind of, like it's so insane. It's wild. Well,
3: that's, that's
1: kind of what Samer and I really, you know, really love about, um, you know, first of all, this this platform, but really, you know, how it started is hanging out with all you guys, um, you know, out on our actual dad's nights. And, and it's funny hearing you say, you know, it's nice to get a, a night out with the guys or whatever. But from our perspective, what we saw was, you guys mostly just talk about like, you know, being dads. Like, while you're <laughs> it's it's like you, you literally can't turn it off. And, and we just like thought that was, that was so cool. It's that you know you still get to hang out with all your friends, but it's just on another level, on another
0: frequency. Yeah, level. bro, that's because there's nothing else. It's your dad, and that's it. It's like yeah. your life. Yeah. There's nothing else exists beyond that realm. Well, except for work. I mean, there's work, and then there's dad. You know, it's mm-hmm. like dad and work. That's it. But um I mean, maybe there are other guys out there that. that you know, to have lives beyond being, you know, just dads. But I love my job as a dad. I love being a dad. I love nothing beats the feeling of, you know, you come home, you might have had like a crazy hard day. Everything's been going crazy. You know, you're, you're for me, your patient, you know, you know, was kind of complicated and like didn't have as good of an outcome as you thought she, she or he would have or whatever the case may be. And then you come home, you're all beat. And then this little face that shows up <laughs> <laughs> just runs in your heart like no matter how bad of a person you think you are, no matter how crazy of a day you've had, there's always that little person that's always so happy to see you at the end of the day, which is like makes up for all the stuff that you're missing out on so yeah Hell yeah man. yeah Dude, that's that's,
2: that's so cool that's and we we've heard that a few times, but like you know. Obviously, we can see your face, the viewers won't be able to see your face yet, but um, it's so cool to see, like, the joy when you guys are talking about that, like, oh, I get to come home to this little munchkin that just, like, ah, just this ball of joy, so it's really it's, cool it's,
0: to see, man. It's a pretty, pretty cool, It's it's a great job to have. Um. Yeah, it's it's great, and you know, shout out to the moms all out there. All this wouldn't be possible without moms. Yeah. Shout, um, out, shout out to the moms. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know this is dad's night and all, but moms, moms are definitely. <laughs> yeah, they that, hold. That, it no, that comes
1: that comes up at least once an episode, at least.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, dude. They, they they hold it. They hold
2: it together. There's, there's no dad's night without, without the moms. That's, there's
3: no no
1: dads without moms. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's a, well, that's a great segue, uh, into, you know, something else that I wanted to touch on. Um, you know, you have a, uh, a very strong cultural background. Uh, you know, you're, you're Nigerian, although you did, uh, move to the States when you were super young. Um, you know, I have a similar uh, experience. I was uh, born in the States, but I grew up in the Middle East and then kind of came back over here for school and stuff when I was really young. Um, so with that being said, you're also, uh, you know, in an interracial relationship. Yeah. And uh, we have had a guest uh, on Dad's Night Before who uh, was also in an inter- interracial relationship and, you uh, you know, I really wanted to, to ask what that cultural difference has been like, what that experience has been like for you, maybe even for your family. But most importantly, uh, you know, how do you think it is a, a positive or maybe even in some cases not a positive impact for your daughter, Naomi?
0: Uh, okay, so I think growing up in Nigeria and having a strong Nigerian yoruba culture and cultural values um was to me this is my personal opinion probably one of the best foundations i could have ever had um because yoruba people uh, speaking of the family unit right so being in nigeria um it's it's a it's a much, I would. It's a much different experience the family unit than it is here. The family unit, I think, back there is is much tighter. There's more of a the, your family is more of a community, right? It's 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 not like you know, dad, mom, kid, <laughs> maybe grandparents, maybe not, as kind of sometimes it is here in America. In Nigeria, it's like dad, mom, kids, uncle, aunt. Uh neighbor next door is like a mother figure to you if your neighbors like when I was back in you know my my Nigerian nightmare days uh <laughs> when i was when I was running the streets of, of Ibado, um if my neighbor or you know some person even vaguely knew my mom or knew my grandparents and saw me doing something you know bad or crazy out there, they would grab me and like whip my ass right there and then take me back home to my parents or to my grandparents and tell them like, hey, this is what this kid was doing down there. Now I get second round of ass whooping <laughs> on top of that. So it was like, you know, that community and that culture is so important because it not only teaches you to do the right thing when your parents and grandparents are looking, but also when you're far away or somewhere else. Now, fast forward that into, you know, nowadays, and like me, moving forward into marriage and moving forward to starting the family. I think those strong values, those, fa- that good foundation that was set, whereas doing the right thing, making the right decisions, um, picking the right partner to, you know, align with your values, line with doing the right thing going forward is such an important step in life because the person you choose to marry could make or break you as a person. I think me choosing to, to marry Tiffany is, like, probably one of the, if not the best thing that happened to me because it's like, you know, her values, although her, you know, personality might be different from mine and some of her quirks might be different from mine, but her values ultimately aligns with mine. As so whereas as, you know, we want the right things, we're, <clears throat> we're God-fearing people. We're people that... Um, try to uh, make sure we set a great example for our daughter, make sure that we're taking care of the people around us, making sure that family is always important above anything else. And family can extend beyond, you know, me, her, and Naomi onto, you know, our friends, our uncles, our aunts, uh, you guys, Jerry, you know, Samia, things like that. Like to to us, you guys are more than friends. You're more like family because it's like, you know, that's just how I was brought up. Um, and, you know, going into Naomi's life, I just wish that, like, uh, I can give her just a fraction of what my parents gave me when it came to that. Uh, like, the values that they had still to me, it was so powerful and so uh so strong that not only did it transcend our culture, it's transcended into like, you know, my wife's culture. things like, not only like, you know, those values that they instilled in me wasn't like, oh, these values are only applicable to a Nigerian wife. They're applicable to everyone else. You look at these qualities, you look at, you know, uh, this person as a whole, not their color, not their race, not their culture, just this person as a whole, does their values align with the foundation that your parents have set? If so, then you move on. And that being said, moving on into Naomi's life, I just hope I give her a a fraction of those values and just make sure I set a good example for her life and make sure that, you know, I may not be perfect. I know I'm I'm very far from perfect, but you know, and the macro scale of things, make sure that she knows that she's important to us, make sure that she's loved. And make sure that, you know, she knows what's right and what's wrong and make sure that she knows that, you know, it's, it's important to take care of the people around you. Even if you don't have much, make sure you take care of the people around you so that, you know, they can also, you know, have a good life and they can also, you know, feel loved. Um, what a fucking good answer. And man, that's a that's a dope perspective. I was,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> wait to say that, I was like, <laughs> uh, I
2: was I I like don't even want to follow up with anything because I was like, that's just that's
1: it, That's just an amazing perspective,
0: man. That was yeah. that,
2: that was <laughs> nice. like, yeah, yeah. Really, I,
0: mean, I can't take all the credit for that, man. It's, it's just you know, I have I was blessed enough to have really, really, really great people. Uh, bring me up in life really people that you know just set the utmost example and I just hope to have just a little fraction of that I think would <laughs> take my daughter far in life hell so, yeah, yeah. and I
1: mean I, I think if if she's got that same kind of perspective then she's gonna be just fine for sure
2: man. yeah yeah if she if she gets a quarter of what you and Tiffany have uh, she's gonna be a great human being so yeah, that's a, so. that's really cool. And I think the cool thing about this, that's nice stuff is we get to learn too. Right. So yeah. understanding that how the Nigerian community um, and what you guys do um, within your country, within your communities and how that family is so important is always so cool to hear about. Like, you know, me being Lebanese, we have similar things, but it's not to the level of what you just described um which is just so cool cuz it also makes us reflect on what is happening so uh really yeah. really cool pilou thanks for sharing
1: very cool and and also yeah. i just want to add i love that you just turned a perceivably like divisive question um you know in like a sensitive topic into something that just like could bring people together like mm-hmm. your, your perspective on that is, you know, and I think you, you used the word, you know, transcends, you know, some of those things. Um, and I, I think that's dope, man, that was awesome.
0: Yeah. Cool. And the, the, second part of the, question, the second part of the question was uh, what I wouldn't bring from, the, uh, from my Nigerian background into raising my daughter.
1: Uh, no, I don't, I don't even remember what the second part of the question is. Yeah, I was no, like, it's not important at this point. <laughs> not, yeah, like,
2: <laughs> we're just going to, we're going to leave it there. We're yeah, going to, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take that snippet and just like, be like, all right, this is it. This is all you, this is how you cure everything in this world right here. Here's two and a half minutes of our friend talking about this amazing perspective. So, <laughs> uh, no, cool, man um yeah I think I want to move on because I don't want to ask anything else I thought that was like perfect so all right cool Um, all right so so moving on um we did just want to I think we're almost an hour in now we just wanted to quickly talk about uh the day your daughter was born um what that was like (laughs) um you know some some of the other dads kind of said they cried a little bit you know we're were there some tears shed? What was it? You know, did you, did the water break somewhere? I mean, originally me and Omar thought literally when the baby's about to be born, it's like two minutes in and out of the hospital, but we're learning <laughs> that it's completely not like that. So kind oh, of walk us
0: through that day. Your daughter was born. Uh, yeah. So before I answer that, I'm going to uh, give you a little background story to it. Um, so <laughs> so yeah I uh, being from you know a, a scientific I work in a hospital and part of my job is placing epidurals for ladies that are in, in labor and also placing spinals for for ladies that are going into c-section and things like that so in that respect I've had a lot of experience with babies you know entering the world <laughs> yeah um but it it's nothing compared to your own kid so um before i think guys or maybe just me this is my perspective of it um for nine months we're just kind of in in uh, denial that something's happening we're just kind of like oh well you know my wife's got a little bun in the oven you know we're making all these preparations but yeah she's just yeah she's just a little pregnant that's all you know um so, you know, you just go on about your day. Nine months goes by. Nothing really changes in those nine months. I mean, there is a lot of support that comes. Your wife is going through all these, like, massive changes. She's having, like, she's bonding with this kid. Like, she's, like, she's got this fetus growing inside of her. And she's just having, you know, they're just bonding every day. Every night, Then little, you know, gives her a little love tap from the inside. Hey, mom. <laughs> I got you, <laughs> you know, guys, we don't get any of that. We're just kind of like, you know, just passed out, sleeping on, on the side of the bed. Like we have no idea of what's going on. Or, you know, the baby gets excited, starts jumping on mom's bladder and she's like, oh, we got to stop again uh, to use the bathroom on, you know, while you're driving, you know, all you know is we're driving somewhere two hours away. We stopped at the bathroom like five times already. But, you know, she's, this whole time, she's out there bonding and, like, <clears throat> getting to know the little baby inside of her. Now, uh, we didn't we didn't find out the sex before we, we had the baby, or the gender. We didn't find out the gender of the baby before before we had her. Um, so we went into this whole thing kind of blind. So I had mentioned for nine months, guys, really, or for me, I really didn't think, much of it I mean we were prepared don't get me wrong like you know getting stuff ready for ordering things I ordered a ton of cameras uh, or I ordered a camera you know we got a a outlet which is like this kind of baby oxygen sensor thing from from grandma we got all these kind of knickknacks we got a stroller bought a stroller uh, bought a car seat Bought like all these like things. but it still does not make know it doesn't make like visceral sense it's not here yet you know yeah so like fast forward to like the day the day of Tiffany was like uh I think I'm having contractions and like to me I see the part like as a professional I see the part where the lady gets in the hospital she's definitely having a baby I'm placing an epidural while she's like ah
3: (laughs) <laughs> Get
0: this baby out of- you know, so that's, de- I see the drama when it comes to having a baby. And then on TV, you see the part where it's like, you know, the, the person's, the actor's driving up, like, skr- screeching into the emergency room. Those, you know, they're like, we
3: need a stretcher. You know, <laughs> the, stretcher,
0: the stretcher comes in, plop the lady on there, take it in, you know, baby comes out, whatever. The whole shebang, right? So it's all dramatic in my head. So when she's like, Uh, I think I'm having a little kind of contraction. I was like, okay, uh, we're having a little contraction. Do you think it's time? She was like, "Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But they're getting kind of intense. Maybe I'll start, you know, I'll bounce on my ball a little bit. And like me being so like stupid and like absent-minded, I'm like, babe, I think I'm just going to go, you know, play a little soccer with the bros for a little while. And then maybe come back a little bit later and then, you know, come and check on you. But I have my phone with me the entire time. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm having contractions right now. I'm like, what? You're having contractions? She's like, I think my water broke. I was like, what? Your water broke? <laughs> we need to go to the hospital right now. I'm like, what? We're having a baby? This is for real. This is actually happening, right? I'm having a kid. So like, Tiffany has videos. Of, she has a video of this when she tells me that we're having a baby and she like makes it like serious. I go running around, I'm putting the camera together, like fixing all these things, <laughs> like spreading the bed sheet, like, Yo, going, like just scrambling to like get all these things done. It's like something just finally clicked. Like, oh, I'm having a kid and it's happening right now. So I go like fixing up all these things. We go into the hospital. Um, we talked to the nurse, the nurse calls the, the, um, the OB doctor, the OB doctor's like, yeah, it seems like you're having a, uh, a, a baby. So we're going to stay in the hospital and, um, you know, go through whole process of having a baby. Um, so we we're in about 8 PM, um, that night. Um, we called in for the epidural epidural was placed. Uh, Tiffany had somewhat of a com- comfortable night, um, up until about a few hours before the baby uh, was due to arrive. Um, so when the baby was uh, coming out, or when the baby was uh, getting closer to coming out, Tiffany's contractions got much worse. And this was the time that the epidural decided it did not want to work anymore. So now she's like hurting in pain. And then, you know, I'm over here. Like guys or me, I'm the type of person that if you have a problem, I'll fix it. You know, <laughs> problem, fix, problem, fixed. That's how I am. But this is a problem and I cannot fix it. There's nothing I can do. So it's like a very helpless moment. Mm-hmm. I'm just there holding hands and like talking to her and like saying, babe, it's going to be okay. Just keep pushing, you know, let's see, we'll get to this. So, you know, just supporting her in any way that I, you know, thought I should whatever whichever way I thought she needed which you know fast forward after that she told me that was pretty helpful I thought I was doing nothing I thought I was just like sitting there just like dumbfounded (laughs) so uh the baby so I told myself when I was going in there don't look down whatever you do (laughs) do not look at you know the area and I held it in. I wasn't gonna look at there because it changes you, it changes your perspective of of what actually you know what's supposed to happen down there, right? So like I'm like I'm not gonna look down. I'm not gonna look down. I'm not gonna look down. Oh my god! I looked down. I looked down. There's a head. There's a head coming out of this thing. It's crazy. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But you know, I looked down once, and you know, it was. It was a little, uh, you're like, uh. (laughs) and they did this thing too. They do, they do this thing. Now this is like the new thing that I don't like. I would uninvent this also. It's great for, it's, it's great for the women. It's great for mothers having a baby where they put a mirror on the top of the bed so that the mom can see as she's pushing the progress that she's making. As the baby comes out, she knows she's doing a good job but the problem is the guys can see it too so <laughs> every time you look up you see oh god i should have looked up there i shouldn't have done it yeah. so no, I, um,
1: didn't, I didn't know they had the, the porn star mirror
0: they got the porn star mirror in there so you can see everything <laughs> as it's say. as the baby's coming out so um yeah so that <laughs> that that was crazy so like i said before was yeah, like yo i got i got one above my bed too <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. bring it home <laughs> so like i said yo the the we didn't know this the gender of the baby before it came out so like i was that like i couldn't wait to find out what it was i thought it was, i wanted uh i wanted a boy because you know i'm a guy so i know how to deal with guys so i thought it'll be you know that naturally i want a boy not you know th- that's just what i wanted so the baby came out and like i was happy as long as a healthy baby it didn't matter to me but you know obviously as a guy you want guy you want a boy so baby comes out and even before like the doctor or the nurses say anything i'm like it's
3: a girl it's a girl <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, my God. It was like it was like so like it was it was just so like such an anxious like, oh, my God, this is over. It's a girl. It's here. amazing. (laughs) And it was such a happy like I remember being just so happy that, you know, I had a a healthy um, baby girl um, come into this world and, you know, just I could just remember just loving her just from the first sight, like this is just so perfect. Like this is a perfect, awesome baby. Then she's mine and it's like, or she's ours. And it's like, it's such a, it's a, it's a crazy feel. It's hard to explain. It's hard to put into words, um, but it's, it's definitely, uh, it's a feeling like no other that you've ever had in your life. Um, and then from that point forward, it's like the love just keeps on growing and growing exponentially. The more that they grow up, I mean, you love them when they first come out, um, even when they look weird and they look like an alien. Every baby looks weird and looks like an alien when they first come out. They just squeeze their little heads through or their big heads through this like a little, you know, hole. It's all deformed and swollen and everything. So it looks, it looks a little weird. You know, it's not as glamorous as everybody makes it to be, but. Um, it's like the ugliest, be- most beautiful thing you've ever seen in your life. All at the same time. All those emotions just packed into one. Um, it,
2: that's awesome.
0: So the baby comes out, you know, you love on it, you hold it. And um, the one thing that we really, uh, this is more so Tiffany. She's very detail-oriented. So she researched everything and made sure that this was, um uh, was enforced during uh after the baby came out the one the thing that nurses and and, you know not in the ob room what they like to do is as soon as the baby's born they take it over to the uh to the table to to the heating table to measure it to get a what's called the apgar score um and all these different markers to make sure that the baby's healthy but once the baby's crying once the baby's you know Like, there's certain things that you can tell right off the bat that, you know, the baby's healthy. So we chose to, as soon as the baby's born, do skin to skin. So put the baby on the the mother's chest so that, you know, the baby bonds a little bit more. There's studies that show that the baby bonds more uh, from skin to skin contact directly after it's being born. So we chose to do that for, it it seemed like about an hour afterwards. Um, She did some skin to skin. I did some skin to skin. And in the background, the nurses just, like, cursing us out, like, why are, they, why are they doing this? Why don't they just give us the baby so we can do our job and move on to the next lady? But, you know, hey, I think that's why the baby loves us so much, because he did skin to skin for that first yeah. time.
2: That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. Those so nurses need to mind their own fucking business, to be honest. Yeah, hey, <laughs> hey back up.
0: That's crazy what I basically <laughs> him, like, yeah, No, don't touch this baby. <laughs> Is this your baby? <laughs> yeah. Back <laughs> yeah, up. Just put the baby out. Back up, lady. <laughs> Yeah, that's so, so
2: cool. Fun. Nah, yeah. it's it's uh, every time we ask, like that first day, those moments it's it's always a good story. So, and you're a good storyteller too. So, yeah, that's
0: yeah. Cool. that was a great story. That's it cool. was, uh, yeah, it was it was it was awesome, man. And did yeah, you cry? I did not cry, I did not cry.
2: Um, Come on, man. <laughs> we, we, we want the crying dads. We want the crying
0: I, dads, man. I cried on the inside, man, but there I certainly, go. I don't, I don't think I cried. I don't think I did. Yeah. It's all right. But,
2: this is a safe space. Yeah. It's dad's night. Yeah. Yeah. We're here to talk so, about it. So
1: you, so you cried. That's what
0: I, so that's what I heard. You, you cried. A little I bit? cried. That's yeah. how I so, yeah. There you go. There yeah. it is. Uh, hey i preface that with hey i'm a healthcare professional so i you know but yeah this is much different this is totally different
2: (laughs) that's cool man thanks for sharing that i know that's a special day and (laughs) um yeah i think the way you described like what guys think is going to happen is exactly what i envision i'm like Driving in my car one day when I have a kid like
3: get out of the way We're a baby <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and the funny thing is, like yeah, that's what happens like when you go to the hospital, it's like you know you know you're trying to like get there quickly, but the if you take that compared to taking the baby home for the first time in the car seat in the back, you're like the slowest like <laughs> hands on 10 and 2, like, looking around, triple-checking before you make that left turn really slow. Yeah. So there's nobody there. Because it's like it's so crazy. It's like, oh, I just got to protect this thing. And the tighter I grip the steering wheel, this baby's going to be protected. <laughs> so he drives super slow. Yeah. That's, that's cool. cool
2: yeah, uh, that's cool. And uh, at least you have an excuse for driving slow. Omar just drives slow in general, so... <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's actually true. <laughs> oh, <No>,
2: really?
1: <laughs> I, well, well, slow apparently these days is just driving the speed limits. So. Yeah,
0: yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah that's slow.
0: slow. That's, that's definitely slow. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, now, nah, again, Payload, thanks for sharing that. So I think we're a little over an hour in, so we're going to move on to the last section here. Um, and it's the standard three questions that we ask every dad. So um, first question is, what is the
0: best thing about fatherhood? ah the best thing about father there's so many really good things about fatherhood um from a selfish perspective like I explained earlier like no matter what type of day you've had no matter how bad of a person you think you are you know no matter how much you feel as if you're messing up as a human being coming home to that face that looks like you or looks like your wife and just so happy to see you no matter how much of a fuck up you are is like the greatest thing in the world. It's like validation. Like, yes, I am a dad and I deserve to be here. Um, I think, I think that's, 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 that feeling is just unmatched. Um, from, um, kind of a family perspective. Um, I think, Uh, My mentality having a family was that I had a rule growing up, kind of a subconscious rule, like I would not start a family unless I had the means and the ability to take care of my family. Um, So I'm very much a provider in that sense, um, that, you know, I have to make sure that my family, no matter what happens in the world or no matter what's going on, is well taken care of and they have the means and you know love and support that they need to thrive in any situation so i take pride in in that being able to provide that um, and even farther from that i very i'm very grateful and very thankful that god has given me this ability and given me this opportunity and given me this blessing to be able to have a family of my own, to take care of a family and just be a good shepherd of the things that he's blessed me with. So.
2: Yeah. That's, that's cool. That's a good answer. Man, you sure you haven't been interviewed before? <laughs> no, it's my very first time. <laughs> yo, my, yo,
1: my man was lying. Man. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, all right, cool. Good answer. Uh, so the next question is, what is the hardest thing about being a father?
0: Uh. Hardest than about being a father. Uh, <laughs> the sleepless nights for me personally was the hardest, like hands out, hardest than ever. So like I always thought like I could do anything, man. I could do no matter what, you know, I'll, I can sacrifice anything. I can do anything. If my family, if my wife needs it, I will do it. Harsh reality came when my uh, daughter came in because she wasn't the best sleeper. Um, so for the first month especially the first month, we didn't know that she had what's called a tongue tie. So um, her frenulum and like some of the other structures in her mouth were tied or, you know, connected still, whereas in some babies, or in a majority of babies, they're not. So it's very, they do an initial check when the baby's born to see if it, you know, she has a tongue tie or whatever. Um, but I guess in this case, they missed it. So the implication of that is that the baby doesn't, uh, attach to the breast. Well, they don't feed as well. Um, and if the baby doesn't eat well, the baby's not going to sleep well. Right. Mm. And it's going to be kind of fussy and kind of, you know, angry all the time. So we struggled with this for a month. So, uh, whereas some people have a baby that sleeps four hours, six hours, and rarely like you know seven eight hours a night our baby would sleep maybe an hour 30 minutes so every hour the baby would wake up every 30 minutes the baby would wake up and then she would have this time between like it would seem like 12 midnight to like 4 a.m where she would just like stay up and just like scream and like she wouldn't fall asleep unless she's on your chest so that Mm -hmm. was that was probably the hardest then for me because you know i it's like you go to sleep and then next hour you're waking up you go to sleep 30 minutes you're waking up you go to sleep 20 minutes you're up again just to you know take care of a baby and that to me was very very difficult
2: i can't imagine not being able to sleep (laughs) i I take naps every time i can
0: (laughs) it is the hands down the hardest thing to to navigate and,
1: yeah, and so, I mean, Samer took a couple naps during this interview right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, Yeah, <laughs> it's like wife, wife's up with the baby, trying to figure out she's like bouncing, she's frustrated, she hasn't slept, and then I'm up like you know, trying. What can I do? What what should I do? And then sometimes she'll wait, she'll try to get me up, and I just wouldn't wake up. And it's like, oh my god, like you know, it's just a, just that environment of you know first you have this thing that you've never taken care of, this baby that's, you know, it's a new experience. And then add the complication of not sleeping either. It just makes her a very, uh, very difficult situation. So it made things very, 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 very tough. Um, But we, I mean, it's all for a time though. The thing, I mean, the, the, the thing with babies is that, you know, what's happening today May not be there tomorrow. What's happening this month is completely different. What's going to happen next month and a month after that? So you got to keep that in mind. So yeah,
2: cool. Yeah, giving up sleep is the thing that always keeps me away from wanting to have a kid pretty soon. So yeah. It's, it's <laughs> All right. Um, so the last question, Paylu, is um, what's one piece of advice that you would give other dads, soon-to-be dads, or people that want to be dads in the future?
0: Um, I think uh, good advice, it's kind of a twofold advice. Number one is support your wife. Um, No matter what you're going through as a dad, no matter what, you know, internal struggle you're going through, I think it's nothing compared to what your wife or the lady in your life having your child is going through. Because... Uh, from a biological perspective, their hormones are doing like a roller coaster ride. It's like at Six Flags, where it goes all the way up and then it comes all the way down, and it goes up and comes down. It's just like they're doing this kind of like internal like struggle, which they've never had before, probably. Um, and you know, you just gotta support them through that, and make sure you're understanding, and make sure you give them um, as much foot rubs or back rubs as they need. Uh, get them as much ice cream as they need, you know, tell them they're beautiful, tell them that they're, you know, they're the most important person in your life, most important person in this baby's life. They're the most, uh, you know, just make them feel as if they are, you know, the rock star, which they are, you know, no matter how you're feeling, no matter how frustrated you are, no matter, you know, how many times you've gone to the grocery store to get ice cream, just it with a happy face and try to just, you know, love her through it and support her through it. Um, another piece of advice that I would give would be to, um, so when you have a kid, everything in your life changes or should change. If you plan on being a good dad to your kid, everything in your life should change. Um, so, whether before the kid, you know, used to go out and hang out all night, hang out at your boy's house, you know, chill, smoke some weed, drink some, drink of you know, drink a fifth of liquor or whatever the case may be. Uh, in order to become a good dad, your sole focus has to be making sure your kid is safe, making sure your wife is well taken care of, and making sure that you're providing a good environment for everybody to thrive. Uh, short of that, I think, you know, you might not be, if, if you're falling short or not, not not saying that you're falling short, if you're not attempting to make those three things happen, um, I think you are not doing what you have to or everything you can as a dad to make sure, uh, your family does well. Um, oh, and Trump saw this, make sure that, you know, whatever your belief is, whatever God you believe in, just make sure that you have a spiritual connection. And make sure that, you know, you're uh, tapping into a source that's higher than yourself because this is all something that you've never done before. This is all, no matter how many books you read, no matter how many, you know, podcasts you listen to or how many YouTube videos you've seen, um, nothing compares to actually doing fatherhood, actually uh taken a first first uh hand seat in this in this position so you know sometimes it's frustrating sometimes it's great sometimes it's it's sad sometimes it's happy sometimes it's you know there's a whole lot of things that's going on and just tapping into somebody or or something that's higher than yourself um, makes it uh a much more better experience i would say so yeah,
2: no, that's so. a that's a great, great answer. And as you're tapping into something higher than yourself, again, whatever you believe in, you can still listen to Dad's Night podcast for some <laughs> best dad advice that you can get out there. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, I,
0: like, I like that little final, final. uh
2: Dad's <laughs>
0: yeah man it's a, it's
2: a spiritual experience here <laughs> <laughs> um, hey Lou this is this has been awesome and I'm honestly like so happy and glad that we were able to interview you this has been uh, one of my favorite episodes so far um, just your unique perspective and being able to share your story with us I mean giving us the insider look on what's happening in the hospitals as well as your unique perspective on how to raise a family has been really really cool so again thanks yeah. for joining
0: thank you so much for having me man you guys are you guys are great guys I appreciate this platform that given dads the uns, unheard the unheard voice the uh the unsung heroes <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: a voice to uh you know talk on a platform and you know just you know just sharing ideas and getting things out there and i think it's a it's a good platform to have so yeah, I support you guys, and I can't wait for you guys to sponsor my daughter's soccer team.
2: <laughs> yeah, we'd, we'd be happy to. We'd be happy yeah. to.
0: Can you make Can you make this logo or our jerseys in the pink tiger?
2: Yeah, uh, that's not a problem. Listen,
0: we can do whatever we we can do whatever.
2: And, uh, <laughs> the options are limitless here. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, Omar, any any last words?
1: Man, Pelu, thank you, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for being so open and honest with us. That was awesome. Yeah, sure. uh, really, really enjoyed talking to you tonight, man. And I can't wait to see you and, and the family at the next holiday gathering.
0: Yeah, for sure. Maybe even sooner than that, man. I yeah, so. tell you. Yeah,
2: for sure. Alright, Pelou. Well you're officially out of timeout with Omar <laughs> and Samer. Uh, thanks for joining us and we will talk to you soon. Alright, have a
0: good
2: night. Alright, hold on, Paloo.
0: Yeah, yeah one back there. Right.